Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We have just watched episodes two and three of Carnival of Monsters. That we did uh, of season 10 of TV's Doctor Who. Thanks. Just in case. It's been a while. This might be someone's first episode. I suppose it's possible. Some people just sort of dive in and say, oh, let's listen to Lazy Doctor Who. Let's see if the most recent one. We're a married couple uh, who have decided to watch <laughs> Doctor Who since the very beginning in a very lazy manner when we get to it. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since we did episode one of the story. Now we've done the next two. Yeah, because we were busy and then we went to Galley and then I got COVID and yeah. then it took a long time to get better and I'm still not quite there yet. Yeah, we decided not to uh, podcast while you had COVID. Yeah, um, that was that, I think that was a smart way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, but uh, but like much like the um, the mini scope in this episode, uh, it had protections against the eradicator, just as you had protections against the eradicator that is COVID. <laughs> so yay for science and yay for vaccines! Woo, go science! Yep, it's true. Um, yeah. it, you know what? It's very fun watching Doctor Who that I maybe have never seen before. Like I certainly I don't remember any of this. None of this seems familiar to me. So this is basically this is watching new to me Doctor Who, which is fun. Which is weird because for some reason I had it in my head that you must surely have done this one for Verity at some point in the last nine years. No, no, no. never. Mm-mm. How about that? Wow. Well this is good. So you so all of this was a surprise for you then is what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Oh good. Um, so yeah, in, in these two episodes, uh, Doctor Who and Joe uh, wander around the miniscope. Which is an amazing set. I love the guts of the miniscope. It looks so cool. Isn't it fun? Mm-hmm. Like all these little bits and pieces. Like, it doesn't make much of any sense in any way because it's an alien bit of technology so you could just have fun with it i mean if i looked real closely at like a transistor or something none of that would make any sense to me either so that's true mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's a lot of fun then wandering around and then stopping and talking about things and trying to sort out where they are Doctor Who. Yeah, I, there was one very particularly doctorish moment, which I liked a lot, when um, they had first gotten into the, the guts of the miniscope and were walking around and trying to, you know, figure out what the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor said, well, you know, let's follow this circuit, um, something, something, but it could go on for miles. And he has this big grin, this super doctor <laughs> grin of like that that very particular curiosity like i don't quite know what's going to happen but i'm very excited to find out what it is <laughs> <laughs> and joe's probably going ha ah, miles hey mm. mm-hmm. yeah. yep but it's such a i just that 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 kind of curiosity at a situation that they've never been in before is such a hallmark of the doctor as a mm-hmm. character and that that one moment i think was was uh very emblematic uh of the doctor as a character and i just really liked it it's neat. I like I like it. Uh, I like this this doctor companion duo. Them sort of like wandering around. You know, Joe is both asking questions for her and also for the viewer mm-hmm. as well. Like you know, she's never seen the inside of one, so she kind of has to play stupid a little bit. And sometimes she does a bit, but she's really uneven. I find in this story, mm-hmm. there are times where she is the one that sort of figures things out. Um, but even even then, like at the uh, where she's talking about how you know he's talking about lateral thinking, and she's saying, "Oh, you know, going sideways." So she is the one that figures it out in the end, like remembering, "Oh, right, we've got there's miles and miles of rope on the ship because of course there would be. Um, let's get that and and use it to get down the shaft." That is a genuinely good idea, and that was all Joe. Um, but in order to get to that idea, she needs to be a bit silly. And take lateral thinking too literally, mm. um, and it's just 
I don't know. Robert Holmes writing women is always a real iffy proposition. And uh, this is one of those things where Joe is clever when the plot needs her to be clever. And otherwise, she's a bit flighty and argues with the doctor when maybe it doesn't make sense to actually do that, given what we've seen of Joe before. She can be actually genuinely clever. Um, so it's this is just, you know, there are moments that are great. There are moments that are less great. And I feel like in this story so far, the moments that are less great are sort of winning <laughs> overall. Yeah. And like, and even the doctor and Joe, and maybe this is just, they stretch it out a little bit to make time or something. But mm-hmm. the fact that, well, I guess the first time the doctor... Um, asks the boat passengers you know do you remember me or whatever yeah. um they have no idea what he's talking about and at first i was like that's ridiculous doctor why would you do that you know they're not going to remember and then he says oh and then he says see they don't have any memory of it so that was a demonstration for joe and then later on joe just keeps trying again and again to try mm-hmm. to get people to remember things and yeah we get a couple close-ups on what's her face um claire Claire. Yeah, so so maybe she's starting to remember a little bit of something, and I haven't seen the final episode, so who knows? Um, but at least at this point, it does seem a little bit ridiculous that Joe would stand there trying to talk uh-huh. them into believing something that's not going to make any sense to them, rather than just being the quick-thinking Joe that we have seen in some previous stories, mm. and just dart out the door at that point. So it's it's uneven. It's uneven. It's like trying to talk to Ryan Reynolds in a video game simulation and expecting a different answer. <laughs> sure. That's Free Guy on Disney+. Plus. I really liked Free Guy, but we're not here to talk about yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Similar similar concept, though, when you think about it. Mm. Well, every 20 minutes, basically, you know, they know, uh, what, you know yes. the routine is. And, you know, they probably, I don't know how many clothes they have on the uh, SS Bernice, but... That's true, actually. Yeah, That's, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I obviously, had, a clear ripoff on the part of Free Guy. Clearly ripping off Carnival of Monsters. Yeah, I guess I would never have pegged a mini scope as being similar to a video game. Yep. But I guess the, the 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 ability to reset people's actions and have them start up again. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I mean, it's they compare it to a zoo, which is kind of what it is. But the the resetting of every you know of the the, the clock is actually very prescient. That's that's the Robert Holmes that we really remember. It's not his dialogue for women, which is not good. I, I think in I think in in, uh, in his later years, he sort of uh, semi apologized for it, saying that he always hated putting women in peril or something like that. Like he didn't want to kill them off, and because he literally killed everyone else off in his stories. <laughs> Watch when we get to the caves of Vandizani. Uh I don't know if that's just him, you know, being flip at that time, but um, yeah. So that's what he said. Interesting. Yeah, in it though. Um, I like the way Robert Holmes uh, just creates a world, uh, you know, about how when uh, Vorg was, t- I don't remember the particulars, but he's sort of talking about, um, you know, the, the galactic politics about the miniscopes and this here. And oh, you know, the, oh, there's a race called uh, Ogrons, I think uh, run by Daleks or something like that. Like there's there's this, he just little, little lines that they drop in elsewhere too that just sort of like lead you to a, a whole different world. And they just sort of mentioning stuff as we would mention like, you know, World War Two. You know, and the fact that the doctor was instrumental in getting the miniscopes banned in the first place, yeah. and he mentions the High Council of the Time Lords, like that's uh, that's that's a very you know just 
tiny little throwaway line, and yet it is, you know, that's that's a thing we didn't know about the doctor's background. I know, and I now this is the first time I've ever thought about this. I'm genuinely confused as to when that would happen in his life because it probably wouldn't have happened since he became the third doctor and in exile. It certainly didn't happen uh, in the televised time of the show that we saw it. Uh, so it's either a happening pre, um, Hartnell doctor mm-hmm. and, you know, or like season six B it's another, it's another, that's where you're, you're leading me, <laughs> you're leading the witness down into that path. That's what you think it is. So. Uh, no, I really don't. But, um, but that was when he mentioned that I, my brain went exactly there. When? When would that have happened? Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Those are the those are basically the only choices. And I love the idea that it was a six season six B thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also kind of love the idea that it was the Hartnell Doctor before he left, and like that that was one of the Ooh. things. Like he really, you know, he the William Hartnell Doctor that we see traveling doesn't really start meddling in societies right away. No, but he, you know. Like the idea that the doctor still started out with an idea of of right and wrong makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you know maybe the idea that he was a time lord on Gallifrey who didn't like he's he has it so ingrained in him that you know interfering is not not a good thing. But he finds out about these mini scopes and that's really terrible. So he makes a pest of himself until the High Council decides to ban them and like maybe that's one of the things that leads to him wanting to run away that like it took so much work Ooh. and of him being such a bother to get them to do this one little thing that is actually like really important for the entire galaxy and that was you know maybe not the last straw but something that led him toward leaving Gallifrey because mm-hmm. uh because that's just ridiculous I like that idea I like that a lot actually I sort of was leaning along the same lines as you were sort of talking about there thinking yeah this kind of makes sense season 6b by the way for those that don't know is a formula uh or an idea postulated i think by paul cornell and company for the doctor who discontinuity guide um that terence dix himself um actually sort of semi uh what's the word i'm looking for um, officialized it. You know what I mean? That There's a word for that. He, I don't know. He gave a nod to it. Canonized it almost in a way. <laughs> don't use the word canon when we're talking about Paul <laughs> Cornell. Uh, where basically, the, the, you know, the, we've already seen the three doctors. Uh, spoiler alert, Patrick Troughton's doctor returns in a couple of stories in the 80s. Uh, and none really stick to the continuity of what he would have known in his timeline. So uh, it, it's, it's come to be that there is this basically before... Uh, the second doctor was put down to earth and became the third doctor that he basically became um, the Time Lord's um, secret agent and basically went off and did various things. Mm-hmm. This is why he looks his hair looks gray in the two doctors because he aged a lot and I'm thinking, yeah, perhaps sometime in there he thought, wait a second, I've come across these miniscopes and mm-hmm. since he was in direct contact with the Time Lords then, that would be a time. So Yeah, that would totally make sense as well and I, am, I have, have become a big fan of the season 6b idea over yeah. the years i quite like it yeah that's where we all thought the joe martin doctor would be um mm-hmm. from with it oh season 6b they're gonna canonize season 6b then they didn't it was somewhere before hartnell but oh well that's all right uh what else we got here in this here episode i like the um the three pletrak and um Calic and orum mm-hmm. i continue to like their dialect one has 
twinges when mm-hmm. you, yeah, you know. they are they are delightful they're they're just so deadpan and dry and it's it's kind of fun to see uh scheming done by somebody who is just so sort of like monotone and like i don't know it's very it's it's fun because there's there's they're definitely scheming there's politics happening but it's happening in a very sort of subtle like if you weren't paying close attention to the episode you're watching like if i was just sitting here playing a game on my phone or something like that i would have no idea the intensity of like the danger that they are bringing on their planet Mm -hmm. because they're just sort of like quietly talking yeah i like it yeah Robert Holmes in dialogue. That's where that comes in. I also like the direction. I like the uh, bit where um, Orem and Kalik sort of like finally sort of say like maybe we should do do a revolution against my own brother Zarb. Mm-hmm. I like the way like they walk and Orem sort of goes down the stairs a little bit and then you know Kalik stops and says over here quick mm-hmm. and then he and then he ducks down mm-hmm. and there's a you know it's just it's a great visual indicator of the power that Kalik has over Orem because he's bending right mm-hmm. down to a nice close two shot and the whole scene plays out like that. I thought it was a very very good directorial touch from Barry Letts. Yeah, you're right. It is nice. There's a lot of three-dimensional stuff happening mm-hmm. on the sets here, especially like the guts of the miniscope as yeah. well. A lot of up and down. There's like that one place that basically works out like a slide. You get to see both Joe and the doctor <laughs> yeah. slide down it. It's just like, that had to be fun. Like that was just a fun thing for the actors, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of uh, direction-wise, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on up and down. And uh, and we have Drashigs, which Drashigs. I knew Drashigs were supposed to be super terrifying, like scary creatures, but I didn't I didn't remember actually seeing them. And yeah, they're pretty they're pretty scary looking. They're good models. I think they're good model yeah. shots. You know, shot against you know most for the most part they're shot on model film. Mm-hmm. Maybe when they try to mix them with videotape, doesn't quite work as well. But whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah, like no, it's a that's that's. I uh, I was very impressed, especially like the very first shot where you know one slurps up from the ground and like there's all this spins around and yeah yeah and there's mud flying and like and then you get that close-up of like the whole like it's long it's it's inching along like an inchworm with its big you know plates and stuff Mm -hmm. that was uh, a cool monster design nice work yep and an anagram of dish rag on purpose yes I think it was Robert Holmes, I think, sort of came up with that or something like that. Yeah. Not the first time, not the last time either that he sort of came up with something as a, as an anagram of something else. So, yeah, I, I, I might that might be apocryphal now. I'm not too sure, but uh, I'm, I'm losing track. I know Brodadak is a bad actor. That's to come. Anyway. I mean, that makes sense. But like Dishrag, like it's not. I mean, I mean, maybe he really hated doing the dishes or something, but uh, that one doesn't. That one doesn't seem to have much logic behind it. Or maybe uh, that maybe that was his wry comment that usually Doctor Who monsters amount to just basically dish rags. <laughs> maybe that's what he was thinking. I mean, could be. Yep, he's, he's I'm a bit sh- cynical as our Bob Holmes. I'm sure somebody out there knows. Go ahead and tweet at us. Yeah, do tweet us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Anything else uh, you want to talk about these two episodes? There was the miniscope, the bunch of bunch of CSO, lots of fun CSO with uh, mm-hmm. you know the bits and uh, I like the bits where they walk around the planet. Never really noticed it before where they're basically because they later on in the episode it's obviously night because it's dark outside. I never really put two and two together until I saw that. But I remember you go ooh and they sort of walk by an open doorway and there's like yeah. these weird trees in the background and stuff. Or are they buildings? I don't even know. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess trees, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I did sort of um, throw some shade at Bob Holmes for writing women, but I do have to say that when it comes to our uh, 
very Natalie dressed twosome. Um, <laughs> the, Morgan Sherna. Yes. Sherna is actually the one that is smart yeah. and makes sense. And he's like, he's the fool. It's, it's like a, I don't know, Laurel and Hardy sort of thing, except that she's actually not nearly as foolish as he is. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so she's, she's, I, it's almost like, you know, when you get a writer coming in, the characters that they create for the show always get like the best lines and the best stuff. So yeah. it's like, yeah, he's not giving the great stuff to Joe. He's giving it to this character that he created for this episode. And the, uh, it does like, I do wonder like, how did they manage to keep this thing going for so long? If he's such a boob right. and really doesn't know how it works, like obviously he knows how to fix some of it, but like he doesn't even have the manual anymore. I don't know. Like just how long have they been doing this? I feel like maybe not very long. I feel like they've probably been doing it for a while, but they just gradually have lost this and then lost that and lost the, you know, lost the manual here. And all of a sudden this is a problem. So now I have to sort of improvise with that, you know, kind of goes back to my, um, thinking that Robert Holmes is basically equating Vorg and Sherna to what, what BBC executives think are the doctor and the companion. Basically, I'm just making it up as I go along, and she's sort of like the cynical wit, sort of like po- pointing out how much better this could be if you knew what you were doing, but she doesn't, <laughs> but she doesn't know quite enough how to fix it herself, and so, yeah. Yep, and she's got great makeup still. I like her outfit. It's fun. A bunch of little... You know what those things remind me of in her hair and stuff? They remind me of the little uh, marbles in the little uh, toy vacuum cleaner that used to, <laughs> and used to pop. And every time I see that, it reminds me of my very early days, like when I was three or four or five, because I think I had one of those. Mm-hmm. I kind of want one again. The Fisher-Price vacuum cleaner? The Fisher-Price vacuum cleaner. But I I bought you a Dyson, so isn't that good enough? No, because it doesn't go bop, 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 you push it around. <laughs> I think that Dyson should come out uh, with a version where you can mail away and get that and they would send it to you. You have your own little, mm-hmm. yeah. Suddenly it makes sense why you like doing the vacuuming so much. Like you, it was, you started when you were three. Well, the Fisher-Price one, there's a bubble. There's, you can see inside it and there's little poppy things and the Dyson thing, it's basically a bubble in the, the handheld thing and you can see the stuff go inside. So it's mm-hmm. basically Fisher-Price and Dyson uh, have uh, I've done good work in getting making me want to vacuum when I was five and then when I was 45. <laughs> should, should we buy like a bunch of little uh, styrofoam red and white little circles that you could just vacuum them up and so you can see them spin around the middle of the Dyson? If I let the place go long enough, <laughs> the dust that I see spinning around the canister is more than enough. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yeah. Uh, and, and anything else about these uh, these here uh, these here two episodes, the middle episodes of Carnival of Monsters before we head off into the sunset. Probably not watching another one. Okay, it's eight fifteen right now in the evening. That's way down. We're short an hour of well, you're not. You slept until like twelve forty five today. <laughs> hour less of sleep. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge to me. But uh, anything else? Uh, no, I think I need to stop talking. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. How you How you doing? This is This is the, your first energetic podcast since uh, since you uh, beat COVID. How How you feeling after all that? Uh, well, I mean, I have done other podcasts since I got better. So you have, haven't you? Yeah, I did a TPK. Right. We had breaks in the middle of that. And then I did a Verity, but I was that? very quiet on the Verity yeah. because it was hard to talk. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this is, I'm, I just, I have to spread it out. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, the full disclosure, it's not entirely the COVID. I have chronic costochondritis. Yeah, I know. That's so fun. Wh- which is a, uh, 
inflammation of the cartilage that contain that connects your ribs to your sternum Mm -hmm. um so even like you know long 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 before i had covid it was really annoying to talk from time to time but i think the covid made it worse um and caustic chondritis is one of the symptoms of long covid hurrah hurrah so yeah so probably that's not getting better anytime soon so gotta gotta spread out the podcasting that's right well thanks for using the uh the limited amount of breath apparently that you have right now to explain why you have a limited amount of breath (laughs) to do the podcast okay well uh until next time then whenever that might be because we're lazy (laughs) goodbye goodbye